0: Log Talk Radio. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest Outsports Podcast. This is uh, Jim Bazinski with Sid Ziegler in Los Angeles. We were away last week. Uh, Sid was uh, getting married in Los Angeles, and I was uh, out in the Catskill Mountains. So, Sid, congratulations. Well, after,
1: after 11 years, I guess it was about time. But it was the first time that we were in a place that legally would recognize that marriage. So... We just didn't want to do it where you know we'd run off to Canada and get married and come back to the states and and our state doesn't even recognize it. So it was it was it was great and it was it was it was just what we wanted, small and and no fuss and lots of friends and and family.
0: Well, and we hope that maybe by this time next year it'll be legal everywhere. The Supreme Court hears that case out of Utah, so. What, what did you say? They're hearing a case of the Utah? Well, Utah yesterday decided uh, Utah's same-sex marriage uh, anti-same-sex marriage law got ruled unconstitutional by a federal court Well, Utah could have asked the federal court to appeal and they reg- they basically said Nah, we're going to take it right to the Supreme Court So they bypassed the federal court and we're going to ask the Supreme Court to take the case The Supreme Court will decide by the end of this calendar year if they'll take it If they take it there will be a ruling next year, probably next summer. And as someone said, it will be a 5-4 ruling, probably against the Utah, apparently Utah law is <laughs> very shaking around, but it could be the big decision could be coming. So a year from now, our friends in Mississippi and Alabama and Utah possibly could get married. So cross our fingers.
1: <laughs> when you look at the the court's decisions on this issue over the last uh What, three, four years? I mean, every single one, and particularly the last year since the Supreme Court ruled on DOMA and Prop 8, every single one has had the same result, no matter whether the court was in uh, Arkansas
0: or the Midwest
1: or the, the Northwest. Every court said same-sex marriage is legal.
0: And it doesn't matter if the judge was appointed by Reagan? clinton the first bush the second bush or obama it's all been the same and and all the all the rulings build on each other so it, it's i mean it would seem to me inconceivable that the court next year would turn around and basically say there is no you know that can't imagine kennedy would reverse himself anyway it's uh we'll see what happens and the court may decide not to hear it but um probably will because then it could be settled at once for all but anyway that's a long winded way to say congratulations on your marriage And congratulations on surviving the black bears and the Catskills. Yeah, the bears are a nice, not not a problem, a bit of a nuisance up in the the mountains there. And I saw a seven-foot black bear and her cub in town as we were having ice cream. So it was always an adventure. But none crashed the party, so everyone was safe.
1: Well, it's, I remember one time I was camping, and a, a, a black bear came across my truck and nearly tore it apart trying to get the food in, inside there. They are hungry beasts.
0: Hungry, and they have a great sense of smell. And when you see one up close, this was about maybe 40 yards away, so it wasn't like it was mortal danger. It's like, well, that's a big thing. I couldn't out, You, think you can outrun something like that, and you realize how fast they move. It's like, no.
1: no. And then you climb a tree, and no.
0: What is it with the bear? You got to make yourself big, and the mountain lion you have to play dead.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of bears, <laughs> the uh, we had somebody uh, come out this week. I don't know if he's a. I don't know if he's a bear. I don't. how do you? What do you? What do you? Can you call somebody else a bear? Do they need to call themselves a bear? I don't even know if this guy is. Look, a
0: bear. I think you can call. It, well, I think he, just because he has facial hair doesn't mean he's automatically a bear. But I'm not sure if it's a self description or not. Yeah, my my uh, niece-in-law was asking me about oh, what's a bear and an otter? She knew all these terms from <laughs> that subculture of our community: bears, otters, wolves, cubs.
1: She knows more words than I do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because I t- I told her about it last year, and she looked it up. She thought it was so funny. So, but yes, we digress. We've had uh, his name was Brad Thorson. He. Excuse me, a second. There's a street sweeper going down my street. I'll close the window. Uh, Brad played uh, at Wisconsin, correct?
1: Wisconsin and Kansas.
0: In Kansas, and then uh, had a brief stint in the training camp of the Cardinals, and wrote a coming out uh, piece on his blog. Uh, Was a fourth? Was that a Fourth of July day? Was that literally Independence Day?
1: It was literally the Fourth of July.
0: and uh, he plays now for the San Francisco Fog uh, rugby team that will be going to the Bingham Cup in Sydney, Australia this year.
1: Yeah, well, he played for, at, at Kansas and Wisconsin, um, and uh, they, he was with the uh, 12-1 Wisconsin team that finished number five in the country, and and then he even went on during the, the lockout year in 2011. He ended up signing with the Arizona Cardinals, and... I didn't. Didn't I, I? Don't think he ever. I don't think he ever took the field for them during a game. Certainly not the regular season. He broke his foot in training camp, and, and I don't even know if he got into a preseason game. He, he can. He can tell us all that. But he decided that he had had enough of living in the closet, and and decided to come out. And what, of course, it's it, it, reaffirming the power of football. The, the story <laughs> instantly, by far our most read story of the last two weeks by by a mile.
0: Yeah, it's not, I mean, not a surprise. Uh, it is, is, you know, the biggest sport in the country, and there's still, the stories are still too, all too rare. We don't really even have a lot of ex-players coming out, uh, a little more than we've had, but uh, so I think every one is important, and it is funny how they all build upon themselves, right, because he was influenced by the other athletes that have come out and gave him a certain strength. Well, he was yeah once
1: by by Brian Sims and and who was a college football captain and and, uh, and you know it was just for whatever reason that story resonated with Brad but Brad is joining us now from the Bay Area and and I guess Brad can tell us why Brian Sims' story in particular resonated so much.
2: Hey guys, can you hear me?
0: Yes Brad I can hear you so Jim and uh, Sid just asked you the question can you hear us hey, yes absolutely
2: um I think what resonated with me about
0: uh with Brian
2: specifically is um how he took the opportunity to come out uh to his teammates and the acceptance that he received and uh, has really parlayed that into a career standing up for gay rights um that storyline uh just speaks to the positivity that somebody can get from coming out uh, reassuring me that there is a masculine male or masculine male who can come out in the sport um, and it can have a
0: tremendously positive impact on his life. Well, the question about that, um, it's interesting you say that because you use the word masculine male and is it the idea that you didn't identify with maybe some of the other athletes in other sports because it wasn't your sport or can you delve into that a little bit? Uh, Yeah, I think that it's, Um, it's really easy to,
2: you know, when you. I spent my college career in a locker room with uh, 115 other people who are going through a a very similar, you know, life situations um, outside of their uh, understanding their sexuality. And I think when you make up the largest sport on campus, uh, it definitely has its own identity. It's treated um, different than a lot of other sports on college campuses. And I think it gives us – sort of a perception that we're different in some way. Uh, Seeing other, you know, because Brian played football, it was much easier for me to relate, to feel like uh, he probably went through very similar feelings and emotions that I was going through. Um, You know, that small correlation between the two of us uh, just made his story resonate stronger with me.
1: If you're listening and you want to talk to Brad, you can uh, give a call. Number three four seven nine four five seven eight three four. 347-945-7834. Brad, when you were at Wisconsin and Kansas, were you looking on the Internet for stories like Brian? Were you, Did you know you were gay? And were you trying to, to find some kind of inspiration or comfort?
2: Uh, no, I didn't really understand um, what was going on. I think the... I I recognized that uh, I was in how I viewed women, um, but not cognizant of of what was really going on. Um, I really found other things to fill my time, whether it was film study or, um, you know, pursuits off of the field in the classroom or through community service. Um, And I think that was really easy, an easy way for me to uh, ignore other things that were happening in my life, whatever they were. When I read jason's Jason Collin's story about uh, coming out and how during the lockout he had this uh, this time to really reflect on who he was, um, it was the first time that he felt like he could really explore his sexual identity. Uh, I had a very similar situation after my football career ended um, it was It was a time for me to stop and say, "I'm not a football player anymore that that was my identity that I leaned on um, that I associated with for. 15 years. Uh, and unfortunately that has to come to an end. Um, and at that time I was able to really look at my life holistically say, who do I want to be? Who am I? Um, and I got the opportunity to start asking those questions of myself, looking for stories like Brian. Um, and then, you know, soon after like Jason Collins to help, uh, help me understand and relate to what I'd been going through and who I really was.
0: When you were at uh, in uh, on your teams in college, did you hear homophobic slurs thrown about? Not directed at you, but did people use the word "fag" or "that's so gay" or "queer" on a regular basis? What like, what, what what was the debate like, if any, in the locker room about that issue? Um, I don't think that uh, just like in many areas of our society, um,
2: gay is used very commonly in a derogatory sense, not specifically. Around sexuality, but just as a, a term meaning you know lame or lesser, and that was certainly true um, in locker rooms and locker rooms are a very different place than your you know your standard workplace um, I don't think that anybody was ever purposely derogative towards homosexuals and saying like about somebody who was actually gay and demeaning them but it's a it was a easy adjective um, an easy a- concept to throw around and say, you know, like, in the same way, we'd say something derogatory, like don't be a pussy, um, which is misogynistic. Uh, It's very easy for people to say don't be gay, as if they relate to not being tough or manly enough to um, put up with some of the hardships of the sport. So it definitely existed. uh, And it does make, you know, trying to understand who you are. um, The question, when I first thought about being gay, I was like, I can't be gay. You know, I I play football. I'm tough. Like those things aren't associated with gay men. Um, and that's really what the last two and a half three years of my life have been uh, centered around in understanding my sexuality. Is that that's not true at all. Uh, there are plenty of gay men out there that are um, exact opposites of those stereotypes. And I think the the more people like Michael Sam and and Jason Collins. Uh, that come out and prove that sexuality has no bearing on your ability to compete and be tough, the more that we can change that language in our society.
1: You ended up with the signing with the Arizona Cardinals as a free agent. Tell us about your time with the Cardinals. I mean, I know it was short. I know you got injured, but
2: what was that like, and and did you ever play in a preseason game? Uh, I never played in a preseason game. I broke my, my foot nine days in. Um it was uh it was a whirlwind experience. It was uh during the NFL lockout. Um and so the, the draft came and went and uh the as, as the draft concludes on every other year there's uh a sprint to pick up free agents, priority free agents. Um and that was because there was no collective bargaining agreement in place, the NFL and the NFL PA said that's not gonna happen. Um, so the draft came and went with no, uh, no opportunity for me, which was, uh, a strange time. Um, I kept working out and preparing and just waiting for the lockout to end and there to be a CBA, uh, and hoping to get a phone call. And, um, right before the lockout expired, I got a call from the team and I'm, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I'm sure it doesn't matter, but they called and said, Hey, we've got, um, under good authority that uh, the lockout is going to end tomorrow morning. And uh, we want you to look for this area code when we call you. And I said, okay, this is really exciting. It's really happening. I have a team that's interested. Uh, And then about an hour later, I get a phone call from the Arizona Cardinals who say, hey, the lockout just ended. We want you uh, on a free agent contract. What do you think? And I was like, (laughs) I'll never forget. Um, I was sitting there with my parents, um, we were talking about the possibilities of tomorrow and free agency, and I said, uh, "You know, how long do I have to get back to you?" And he said, "I'm hanging up the phone, call, the phone in 10 seconds." So I looked at my dad and I said, "Arizona." He shrugged, and I said, "Yes." Um, I had a uh, I had a plane ticket the next day to Arizona, uh, so it was a whirlwind experience. Um, I came in with. Gosh, there were a lot of us rookies. I want to say that there were ten of us, uh, eight or ten of us rookie linemen that showed up, um, and it was a, it was a pretty surreal experience being being there, uh, going through the you know the first nine days um, at camp, seeing what it's uh, you know NFL camp lifestyle is like. Um, unfortunately, I saw a lot of good guys in um, you know the way that we've seen on hard knocks. Uh, And then I had the unfortunate incident of breaking my foot and um, being technically part of the team for the next 14 weeks, um, but really in a rehab state, trying to get myself back to playing condition.
0: So talk about your after football career. I mean, was there an aha moment when you either realized you were gay or you had an experience, I don't mean a sexual experience, like experience, like, oh my God, that I could I could live this life and I could be happy.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. The the aha moment. Um great question. I think uh I didn't really know um what I wanted to do. I I think I got a little too much schooling. Um I I ended up getting a master's degree and then some at the University of Kansas. Um and I was uh, really open to moving new places, trying new jobs, um, and the uh, the further and further I got away from the uh, day-to-day lifestyle that I lived in football, the more and more I sought to figure out what my what my identity was going to be now that I was disassociated with my 115 teammates. Um, so I don't think that there was ever an aha moment. I think it was a uh, um, a process of general acceptance, you know, um, little moments that may seem cliche, but hearing things like Macklemore's Same Love for the first time on the radio and, and thinking like, wow, our our nation is celebrating a song that, um, you know, pro gay rights was any, any small thing like that really helped me to say, like, it's okay to be who I am and um, I can be proud and explore that. Um, and it took me a long time, but I'm really happy to be here today talking to you guys. Well, so what are you, you know, the,
1: your story, you, you posted the the blog post uh, last Friday, about a week ago, and we ran on
2: Outsports
1: mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. What has been the reaction?
2: Uh, unbelievably positive. I can't uh, even begin to describe the uh, level of support and the the authenticity of the responses um, it's been it's ranged from uh, getting getting maybe the the uh, cutest email from my grandfather uh, being fully supportive somebody who grew up in a generation that's very different than ours um, I shared my father's email that was incredibly heartfelt. Um, it felt really good that everybody from my extended family reached out to say, you know, um, we support you as you go through this process with the rest of the world. Um, I have teammates that I haven't, you know, spoken with for for many years just because we haven't played together, and um, our relationships are stronger than ever. Uh, and then just people around or in the gay community or or who are maybe on the fringe reaching out um and letting me know that uh I've had some small effect on their life is incredibly empowering and it's um it's really amazing i I can't say that I've heard one negative thing which is uh pretty incredible um it's i I would have been happy if I got fifty fifty on positive and negative uh so I am I feel incredibly lucky to live at this time to, to be going through this um with people who love me and uh and are unbelievably supportive
0: well you say that every time we talk to people or do these stories, it's the same thing. I got nothing negative. And I think what does that tell us about us? So that we expect negative, and yet when you think about it, what are people going to say? They're going to say, "Boo! Go! <laughs> don't be authentic." I mean, <laughs> it, it tells a lot about our internal struggles we have with this—that we're expecting the worst, and when we come out, it's like, "Oh, there's no no, but there was no worse."
2: Yeah, I I completely agree. I think it's uh, for me, I've thought of it in, in two ways. One that um, I think it's still easy for us to associate the identity of being gay was something negative or that other people that we associate, uh, with might think gay being negative. Um, I had one teammate in particular reach out who was a incredibly close friend of mine at Kansas. Um, and part of his email was when, when Michael Sam and Jason Collins came out, you know, I, I heard their stories and I kind of went like, okay they're you know as long as they're competing on the court or on the field like why do we care what their sexuality is uh and he's like not till somebody close and personal to me was going through it did I realize that this is you know uh, a huge deal for you and I'm so happy for you but it doesn't change anything about who you are to me because you're always my teammate that I competed with on the field um and I think that's that's indicative of of what I've heard. I think it was easy for me to assume that that teammate might've thought that, um, again, being gay was weak, or or that I couldn't be a good teammate to him because of that. And the opposite is entirely true. Uh, I also think we attach a lot of weight to, uh, our stories and, and we don't realize that there are so many other things that our friends and family and, um, people around the world are struggling with. Um, and that, you know, while this is a really big moment for me and I hope that it's empowering for other people like me, um, But there are so many other issues that people struggle with on a day-to-day basis uh, and that we're not alone when we feel alone, uh, that everybody out there just needs somebody to reach out and say, hey, it's going to be okay. I appreciate and love you no matter who you are.
1: You don't seem like uh, you fit any of the gay stereotypes you see, I mean, you're, you're what, six foot 12. Uh, you're, you're, you're a big, strong guy, played college football and, and now you're a rugby player.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, that's again, a a thing that makes it difficult, um, or made it difficult for me to understand my identity was it's easy to point to stereotypes, um, I I found myself saying on a regular basis to people that said, you know, like, why did it take you so long? Uh, why aren't you out? Um, you know, what's, what's holding you back? Uh, and I said, you know, like, I just, um, it was really hard for me to find people to relate to while I was growing up. Uh, I didn't have, you know, again, the people I knew, the people who were role models in the gay community, I didn't feel like I could relate to on a physical level, which um, seems a little bit ridiculous, but... I think it, it does matter in seeing somebody and being able to potentially overlay your own personality on them. Um, the other thing is I've gotten to a point in my life. Uh, I made a joke yesterday to to another teammate that after playing college football, I'd, I've got pretty thick skin and I don't much care uh, if anybody says something negative. I, I've gotten to a point where I'm also comfortable. I don't have to fit a stereotype. Um, we are... You know, the experiences that we've had make us up, and the experiences that I've underwent, my innate physical abilities, thanks to genetics, make me uh, a stereotypical, if that's a word. And uh, I think it's a little bit surprising for people because they don't associate a 6'4, 240 rugby player as somebody who, um, who would be homosexual, but there have been people before me and there'll be people after me that'll it'll start to break that stereotype down
0: well and talk a bit about the rugby i mean your athletic career isn't over you're maybe for want of a better word you're elite level or you know but you're young enough you could be playing rugby for the next 15 years if you want to and how how is you with the san francisco fog and how has that experience been for you Uh, Joining the Fog has been uh, one of the most incredible experiences um,
2: for me personally. I think finding rugby was an interesting path. Uh, My sister played rugby in high school, and I never understood it. Uh, I tried to overlay football on it, and what I've learned is the sport is nothing like football. Um, It's more like tackle basketball with no forward passes. Um, But, it's you know, I I moved around a lot after – Finishing, finishing up, um, playing in the NFL, and uh, every time I moved, I was able to find, you know, a small group of friends or a community that uh, I related to from a past experience or maybe part of a new job. And when I moved to San Francisco, I really didn't have that uh, that group. And what I felt lacking was, you know, I'm an athlete. I'm, I'm used to competing on a field. I'm used to having, you know, guys that um, I work really hard next to as friends because I feel like we relate uh, closer. That we can get together over a beer and talk stories about the last game or something that happened in practice. Or that that was just a life that I missed. An aspect of athletics that I really missed. Um, I also missed the physicality of football. You know, it's there's uh, something very invigorating and maybe dangerous and harmful about putting your body. Uh, in harm's way. Um, and rugby was something I was interested in trying. Um, and I, I happened to stumble across the fog, uh, as I wrote, going out that first time was incredibly, um, nerve wracking for me as I, I still was largely in the closet and, um, struggled to wonder what would happen if somebody saw me and recognized me, you know, because I had my inflated ego where I think everybody's going to recognize me. Uh, but ever since that first practice, you know, every time I went out, I felt more and more comfortable being in that community, being in a, on a team that I think is, importantly, it's, it's open. Um, it's a mixture of straight and gay men uh, who there's never a question about what your orientation is. The question is whether or not you're willing to hit and train hard to win rugby games. Um,
0: so, I, yeah,
2: my athletic career is hopefully far from over. Um, again, I you know, I've always felt I identified most with, as an athlete, even, even having success in the classroom or elsewhere. Um, I've always derived the most hap- happiness of being an athlete. And uh, I look forward to hopefully not – I don't know if I can take 15 years of rugby, um, but many more years on the field um, doing something that – You know, learning a new sport that I can love the same way I love football.
1: Well, Brad, thank you so much for joining us and and sharing your story. And and, uh, we look forward to seeing the results from uh, the Bingham Cup in a couple of months. So have fun in Australia. I'm hopeful,
0: too. Well, Well, Sydney's a wonderful city. You'll have a great time. I've heard
2: that. Uh, I think the convicts are uh, preparing pretty mightily. But uh hopefully we can we can at least uh hurt him a little bit.
0: You'll all get drunk together and forget about everything, so <laughs> uh
2: gentlemen, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Um Sid, thank you so much for uh reaching out and uh helping me tell my story.
1: Sure thing, man. Talk to you soon.
2: All right, have a good day.
0: We should go to Sid D recovery What's that? We should go to Sydney to cover it. That was such a nice city. Well,
1: it's great, except it's <laughs> – OutSports doesn't have that kind of travel budget.
0: Well, yeah, I'm just I'm just wishful thinking. I know. Plus a 15-hour flight is a – I don't want to do many more of those in my life.
1: I kind of, I've been it a, a couple times. It's it's just not that bad because mentally I've been so prepared for it. It didn't, mm-hmm. uh, didn't affect me. But, you know, Brad is uh it's cool. It's, I, I was trying to convince him well not convince him, but drop him a hint about gay flag football. But he he's already figured out that gay flag football is a a quick man sport and he gets to he gets a lot more um <laughs> Yeah, he really does. But cares. I think he physical contact. Yeah. Yeah, he, right. Right. In rugby, he can just smack the hell out of somebody yeah. else. But in flag football, if you look at somebody funny, they'll flop over and
0: yeah, exactly. Start whining like, uh, like soccer players.
1: Yeah, but but you know he's a listen. He's, he's a he's a former college football player at the most elite level. And it's no surprise that that his story has been has really resonated with a lot of people, and I'm sure he's going to be hearing from athletes for a long time. We posted his email address and his Twitter feed on the story, so anybody can go track Brad down.
0: Yeah, the, the more the merrier. I mean, just the, I think people can relate. We keep hearing this: swimmers relate to swimmers, you know, football players to football players. Not that the other stories aren't important, but the person in your sport. It does make a big difference.
1: Yeah, he had. Let's see, he had about 500 Twitter followers before the story broke. Now he has 1,300.
0: Yeah. Catch out sports before he knows it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's got a little ways to go. Yeah, he's got a little ways to go. What? Uh, God, football! Football is right around the corner now. He's got the camps in next two week. weeks. I know, yeah, Michael he- Sam. Being in town and accepting his big award. When the World Cup ends uh, Sunday. Yeah, it's funny. People say, "Oh,
0: soccer, you know, is on the rise forever now in the U.S."
1: A week from now, no one will even remember what soccer is.
0: Yeah, it's more popular than ever, but it's it's you know the problem is there's not a national international tournament every year the U.S. can play in. I think it'd be more you know every four years is kind of hard to sustain it. But like 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 we say, you can't fall from the floor. <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
1: Hard for soccer's popularity to go down. Uh, But that's all the time we have this week. Uh, We will check back next week and hopefully we'll have a report from the ESPY's red carpet.